Thank you, everybody, for joining me once again. My name is Emmanuel Mutui. Before we start, let's uh, pray real quick. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you've given me to be able to minister to your children. I pray, Lord, that you will, uh, uh, as I share what you've shared with me, Lord, I pray that it will change their lives and it will impact their spiritual growth. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So what I want to talk to you about today is uh, about someone that has a in our Christian world, not talked about enough, not given the respect that he deserves, and we've kind of forgotten him. He's like the forgot, forgotten member of our Christian life. And I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit, and in particular, who is the Holy Spirit, because he's always one person that mi- so often misunderstood. And for some reason, we have this idea that... Uh, the Holy Spirit came into existence after Jesus went to uh, back to heaven on the day of Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit all of a sudden appeared. But if you look at in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, you see that when the, the Bible says, and the Spirit, Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and that's talking about the Holy Spirit. He was there in the beginning. And we all know this famous scripture in John chapter 1 verse 1 through 3, and skip through verse 14. It says, uh, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And we celebrate that truth that Jesus was in the beginning, and He was the Word, and he created all things. But we often leave out the Holy Spirit was there as well. He was hovering over the face of the waters. And I don't, I'm not saying that people disrespect the Holy Spirit or neglect him. I just think we don't have a good understanding of who he is. And if we don't understand the purpose of a thing, abuse is inevitable. And you see, you see he's an ever-present person who never gets the credit. It's always about the God the Father, God the Son, but we always forgot about we always forget about Jesus. And we the purpose of this teaching right now, it's not to diminish the Father or the Son. It's just to bring the Holy Spirit up to that level of where the Father is, so we can revere him in the same way we revere the Father and the Ho- and the Son. And so to get into the teaching, what I want us to do is begin with the w- his work. What is the work of the Holy Spirit? What does he do? So as we read in Genesis 1-2, we see the Holy Spirit was already there in the beginning. Before any word of creation was spoken, the Holy Spirit was hovering there, anticipating the word to be spoken and him manifesting it. See, part of the work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the words of the Father and the works of the Son. I want to repeat that. Part of the work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the words of the Father and the works of the Son. So, what kind? What what is the work? What's the words of the Father and what's the works of the Son? And how can the Holy Spirit manifest that? Let's go to First Corinthians chapter fourteen. Not, not I'm sorry, chapter twelve, verse forty-six. That is First Corinthians chapter twelve. We're going to read from verse 4 to 6. And what we'll see here is how the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit work. It will kind of 
give us a glimpse into their world. This is, I'm reading from the King James Version. It says this, And now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. See, right there you see the three of them have a different purpose. You see, the Father oversees the operations, as verse 6 says. He is over all, that is the Father, and through all, and He knew all. And you see that from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6. I'll turn there real quick so I can read that for you. Ephesians 4, 6 says, One God and one Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and He knew all. That's the Father right there. He's over all. And then the Son is overseas administrations. And Jesus is the one who appoints people to different offices. I'll just read a real brief thing over here in Ephesians 4, it's verse 11. Talking about Jesus. And he, Jesus, gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists. Jesus is the one who's actively doing this. And then the Holy Spirit oversees the gifts, the manifestation. See, the Father is the one who created the office and puts grace on that office. Jesus appoints people to that office and the Holy Spirit will equip that person with the correct spiritual gifts or tools for that purpose, for that person to fulfill the function in that office. That's how the three work. The Father creates with his words. The Son brings what the Father spoke into manifestation with his works, and the Holy Spirit is the one who manifests it. He's the one who brings the power to whatever Jesus is doing. And the perfect example of this is Jesus. Uh, look at this verse in uh, John chapter 5, verse 19. It says this, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. So Jesus is looking to the Father for instructions. And then, in, Gen in John chapter 14, verse 12 through 18, we're not going to read it, but Jesus is, is getting ready to leave and he says, Don't worry, I will leave a comforter, the Holy Spirit, for you, and he will reveal to you all truth. And from there you see a glimpse into the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. He's the one who will rev reveal to Jesus who he was. He's the one who would help him manifest the words of the Father. And so the Father is the one who gave Jesus the grace and the assignment to accomplish his task. The grace that the Father gave Jesus was according to the office that Jesus had appointed himself, which is the office of the high priest and the apostle. And you see that in Hebrews 4.14 and Hebrews 3.1. And the Holy Spirit gave Jesus all the gifts so that he can function in that office. And remember, the first 30 years of the life of Jesus, he didn't do nothing. He just lived a life of obscurity. Nobody knew who he was. But then all of a sudden he gets baptized into the with the Holy Spirit and he starts healing people all these things um, he, he begins to do the works of the father all because the holy spirit now will, and jesus says this i have been anointed to heal the sick i've been anointed to do all those things and that came after the holy spirit came upon him now
now that we hopefully that gave you a better glimpse of how they work the father creates with his word the son begins to do the work to manifest what the father spoke and the holy spirit is the one who gives life to whatever the father spoke or whatever the son is doing now how do we interact with him how do we interact with the holy spirit in let's go to this scripture in john chapter 14 verse 15 to 18 this is what it says if you love me keep my commandments and i will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you i will not leave you orphans I will come to you. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit involves Him abiding in us and us knowing Him. So what does abide mean when it says abiding in us? In the Greek, it's the Greek word meno, M-E-N-O. And it means to continue to be present and to be held, to kept, to be kept continually. The way I define it, the way I define abide is to be conscious of. So when he says the Holy Spirit will abide in us, he will physically live in you, but you also have to be conscious of the fact. So it's like a dual meaning, in my definition anyway. He's physically living in you, but you're conscious of him physically living in you. Now, our relationship with the Holy Spirit is for us to be conscious. You have to be conscious of somebody for you to be ever for you to have a relationship with that person. See, when we are conscious of him, he will begin to teach us things. He will begin to guide us. He will begin to show us how to accomplish our purpose. And you see that in John chapter fourteen, verse twenty-six, where Jesus says, "The Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth." See, when we are Holy Spirit conscious, we will be easily be, He will easily lead us into all things that God has God the Father has planned for us. Another thing that we, our relationship with the Holy Spirit consists of is us knowing Him. And now that word "know" in the Greek is very interesting because it is the word "ginosko." It has a lot of meanings, but the one meaning that sticks out to me is. It's the Jewish idiom for sexual intercourse between a man and a woman. So when Jesus says the world doesn't know him, what he's saying is the world is not intimate with him. The world hasn't bore itself to him. You've not opened up, you've not had an intimate relationship or experience with him. But for us believers, we are intimate with him. We know him. See, we have opened up ourselves to him. We have let him into our deepest and darkest secrets we have trusted him with the things that we will never have told anybody we have told him things that we will never tell any other human we, we have told him these things because we love him and that's because of the relationship that we have he's abiding in us we are conscious of him so we know him and then that knowing him is more of a deeper intimate relationship so you get into the nitty-gritty of each other's hearts. 
See, what Jesus is telling us, when the Holy Spirit comes, we are supposed to have an intimate relationship with Him. And I am emphasizing on this because this is key. Because we cannot do the works and the greater works of Jesus if we don't have an intimate relationship with the one who enabled him, Jesus, to fulfill all that he did. He's the one who was the power behind the ministry of Jesus. And if you're not intimate with him, then your relationship will not and your accomplishments will not be all that God has desired for you. See, we also need to be, actually I'm going to read this statement that I wrote down earlier. We need to be Holy Spirit conscious and we also need to be intimate with Him, especially with our hearts. We have to open our hearts to Him. We also need to be in awe of Him because we have God the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. He has become one with us. See, my Christian walk went up, an, went up a level when I had the revelation of the fact that God the Holy Spirit himself lives and abides in me. I remember at that time I was struggling with this assignment at work. I had to write some code trying to automate this process and I hit a wall. I could not figure out a way around it. And then one when this revelation hit me that God God the Holy Spirit is in me and he will lead me into all truth, that all changed because the next day I remember I was praying and he just told me, just go into work and when you face the problem, ask me and trust that I will help you find a solution to that problem. And that's what I did. And after that, I was struggling coding before that. But then since then, my I just became a better coder all of a sudden because I was listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit. He would tell me, no, no, you don't have to do that. Go this way do this oh you ask me a question why do you have to do that and then during this intimate relationship conversation I would have with him I would get an idea on how to solve the problem and this is just one of the many things that the whole having an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit brings forth now I want to talk to you about a subject that is uh, very uh, misunderstood in our Christian world and that is the grieving or blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Uh, read, I'm going to read this verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Look what it says. And this is from the King James Version. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. See, this piece of scripture, like I said before, has been misused, it has been mistaught, it has brought a lot of bondage to a lot of people. And it also always gives the impression that, and this is probably why the Holy Spirit is always the forgotten member of the Trinity, it makes him look soft and weak, or like, like a little sissy, or don't grieve him, you know, he's, he's too soft, you know, that the way he has been taught, but that's not what that scripture is talking about. Say, before we continue, let's look. Let's look at that verse in a couple other different translations. So we're gonna look at in the New King James, the Message translation, the New Living translation. So the New King James of Ephesians four thirty says this: 
Let no corrupt word out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers, and, to, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The message translation says this, Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word ag- helps. Oh, wait, wait, let me repeat that. Watch the way you talk. Let, let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word a gift. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Look at the New Living Translation. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let nothing you say be good and helpful. Wait, wait. I read that wrong. I'll repeat that again. <laughs> Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. What the Holy Spirit is telling us through the Apostle Paul is that we're supposed to live a life that is pleasurable to Him, not taking Him for granted, but acknowledging His work in us and all that we do. See, when the Bible is talking, when it says right there, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, what it's telling us is this. Actually, let me give you this example. It's like for those who are parents, for your, if you have a kid and they're about to do something stupid and you tell them don't do that, and they go ahead and do it, yes, they'll disappoint you and you will be heartbroken. But the ultimate, the ultimate reason why you'll be heartbroken is because you know what they're doing was, is not good for them. It's going to affect them. And so when they go ahead and do that and then they get hurt or disappointed, you feel bad for them. And then they, they go through this whole depression period. And so when he's saying don't grieve the Holy Spirit, it's not as much talking about him but as talking about you that he knows what's best for you. So when he leads you one way and you go ahead and, and go the other way, you, you're going to get yourself hurt and that grieves him as much. And so that's that's the key thing that the Holy Spirit wants to grasp, wants us to get from that scripture. When we go against His leading, we're not only grieving Him, but we are hurting ourselves because He's telling us to not go away that He knows is harmful to us. Another scripture that is often misused is Matthew chapter 12, verse 30 through 31. And we're going to read this from a couple of different translations. Uh, Matthew 12. He that, and this is the King James Version, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathers not with me scatters abroad. Who, wherefore I say unto you, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. I'm going to read that from the New King James Version and the complete Jewish Bible. He is not with me, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the Holy Spirit, but against but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. 
But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. From the complete Jewish Bible, this is what he says, Those who are not with me are against me, and those who do not gather with me are scattering. Because of this, I tell you that people will be forgiven any sin and blasphemy, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. One can say something against the Son of Man and be forgiven, but whoever keeps on speaking against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, neither in this age or in the age to come. See, the new, the complete Jewish Bible gives us a different perspective. It, 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 it's, uh, it's telling us that it's not a one-time thing that you do against the Holy Spirit that bl- it's that's considered blasphemy, but it's something that you do over and over and over and over and over again that makes it a blasphemy. And the thing that he's talking about is this. See in the book of John when Jesus is talking about the holy the coming of the holy the coming of the holy spirit he says that he will do three things he will convince men of their sin he will convince men of their righteousness and there's another third thing i can't remember at this time but the convincing of men of sin is what it's referring to here the job of the holy spirit is to convince you who Jesus is and who Jesus is when you believe that that's what makes that's what cleanses us of our sin but if you keep rejecting the holy spirit and what he's telling you about jesus you cannot be forgiven of that so that's the that's that blasphemy that cannot be forgiven because if you don't accept christ as your lord and savior then you can't be forgiven because that is how you get forgiven when you accept christ and so the blasphemy of the holy spirit is two things number one when he the holy spirit is trying to tell you about jesus and you keep rejecting that that can't be forgiven because jesus is the payment and the second thing is this it's not as much as he's the one who's grieving for himself but he's grieving for you when you go ahead and do something that he knows is not going to help you but you go ahead and do it that breaks his heart because he loves you and all he wants to see is you succeed and so I pray and hope that this teaching has given you a uh, better understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. And I'm going to summarize a couple key points here. Number one, the Holy Spirit is just as much God as the Father and the Son are. And they're all one and they all work in unison. Their job is to accomplish the work of the, f- the words of the Father. See, the Holy Spirit manifests the words of the Father and the works of the Son. That's His purpose. And the three of them work in unison. And another thing is this. We're supposed to have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit so that we can fulfill all that God has has purpose for us. There's this scripture I want to read for you. It's in the book of Psalms. And it's uh, Psalms. Let's see. 139. Mm, let me see where I'm going to start. Let me change the translation here. Mm. We'll just read from verse 10 through 14. If, and this is from the New King James Version. Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. 
if I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. And this is a key one, verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest part of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. And what it's talking about here, before I was even thought of, God wrote my works in a book. And that's, this is verse 16, Psalms 139 verse 16. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they shall they all were written. The days fashioned for me when I, when as yet there were none of of them. He's what he's saying is before I even came into being, you knew me and you had a plan for me and you wrote them down in a book. And for you to accomplish all the purpose that God wrote in that book. Is going to be by the help of the Holy Spirit, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So today, when we spend time with the Holy Spirit, he, this is what He reveals to us, the plans of the Father. He, that's what, And He reveals to us what Jesus did. So both the Father and the Son are in, are in heaven right now. Only the Holy Spirit is here on earth. When we worship, it's the Holy Spirit who moves amongst us. It's Him who makes Jesus and the Father so real to us. It is He who reveals to us Jesus and the Father. It's Him, again, who brings the Bible to life. Because without Him, the Bible would just be a bunch of stories. With no, I mean, some good stories, some good poetry. But with the Holy Spirit, the Bible comes alive. It comes alive to us. So the challenge is this. To be mindful of the Holy Spirit. Don't think of Him as a third will, but integral part of the Trinity and of our salvation and of our lives. And as we proceed in our walk with the Holy Spirit, you'll, your life will never be the same because He will show you things to come. He will tell you things about yourself or He'll give you ideas, business ideas, ministry ideas, because He knows all things. And thank you for listening to me. And uh, I'm going to pray us out. Uh, thank you, Lord, for uh, this opportunity that you've given me. I pray, Lord, that the words that are spoken will be uh, received uh, and it will change their lives. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>